Welcome to The Greatest Day Podcast. My name is Craig Smith, your host and the creator of The Greatest Day Mindset. This podcast is all about helping you gain the tools and the insights you need to shift your focus in life and begin living each day to the fullest. The Greatest Day Mindset is a lifestyle. It's a way of living each and every day with a positive attitude. It's choosing to be happy and live life with energy, no matter your current situation or circumstances in life. Today truly is the only day you and I have to live, shape, and create who it is we want to become. So choose to make today the greatest day of your life. How many of you have had a problem in your life and you couldn't find a solution? Probably most of you. Actually, all of you. Including me. But how extreme have you gone to get the answer or even gather some research to help you get closer to an actual solution? In this day and age, it's probably most common for people to just pull up our best friend named Google. And after a couple skillful attempts of searching for the right kind of question, uh, we find an answer on the first page of the results page, right? Sounds familiar? And I'm the same way. Love my Google. My guest on the podcast today went a little bit deeper than a Google search to find an answer to the question he had, which was how to have the greatest marriage possible. In fact, he quit his job. He traveled the country. He interviewed couples in all aspects of their marriage from newlyweds to, you know, 40, 50, 60 years of marriage um, to get to the bottom of the question he had. Now, my friend Nate Bagley He's a podcaster, he's an entrepreneur, he's a writer, he's a TEDx speaker, he's a teacher, and really he's just a guy who's dedicated his life to helping people like you and me have the most ridiculously awesome love possible. And he spreads his message as far as wide as he can, and I have been blessed enough to be able to have a conversation with him today and share it with you guys. So, a little bit more about Nate. Um... Well, not so much about Nate, but just me and Nate, it really is no surprise that I gravitated towards him. Um, And it's probably been about a year since I came across um, his Instagram page, and I I remember the post as well. He was standing in front of a huge crowd of people at one of his Utah date night events, and I think it was was like a Valentine's Day or that weekend of 2019. When I saw that, I knew I needed to be more involved with him. I needed to be around his energy. I needed to be around just the purpose he has in helping people have better relationships Uh, because I'm the same way. So today, get to have him on the podcast, and we talk about one of the absolute keys to creating a great marriage is forgiveness, and you guys have requested Um, multiple people have requested to have forgiveness as a topic on the podcast. So I'm happy to have Nate on because he's a very knowledgeable person. Um, He's talked to the leaders in the marriage field and researchers um, out there. So he is a great resource and um, so lucky to have him today. And he's a great storyteller. So throughout the podcast today, um, he uses visualizations and a lot of stories. So make sure you're bringing your pen and paper. You're ready to take some notes as we talked about the process and the importance of practicing forgiveness in your relationship. Um, and 
really he shares one of the things he shares is that we should already be in a place of forgiveness or willing to forgive even before our partner does anything that needs forgiven. So make sure you get down the things that stand out to you, questions that you guys have, send them my way. Uh, and Nate and I, we're going to answer them. He's already agreed that whatever comes through, you know, we get to have another conversation and, and do some follow-up questions or answers for you guys. So I hope you enjoy the message. Make sure you check out all things about Nate and what he's up to. He's got his hands in all things marriage, um, not just in Utah, but, but everywhere. And he's online. He's got these things going on. I'll put his contact information in the show notes. Um, maybe just one main thing for you where you can find him. But check him out. He's up to he's up to, up to all sorts of great things marriage related. So enjoy the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Greatest Day Podcast. This is another. You know, the more the more I get people on here with me, the more excited I get about um, just what can be given to you guys and the content that we get. And today is no different. I've got Nate Bagley with Growth Marriage and he's going to talk. We're going to go into something that you guys have requested for a while. Um, and that is forgiveness, forgiveness mm. in relationships. And I, I don't know, we're going to go into a bunch of things and I'm really excited about it. So Nate, say hi. And um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about you, like the highlights. There's about yeah, I'll give a little highlight reel about you, but but what's first, the great stuff? First of all, thanks for having me on the show. Um, today really does feel like the greatest day. I feel like spring is coming in. I feel like I got my gym, my workout in this morning. Like I'm feeling good. So today feels like feels like one of those days that might be the greatest day. So it's appropriate that I'm on your show. Um, <laughs> so for people who haven't who haven't heard of me before, back in 2012, I did something really weird. Um, I had, I always knew I wanted to get married one day. I was in my late twenties at the time and all my relationships were failing, but I knew I wanted to be in a great relationship one day. I knew I wanted to be the kind of husband that my wife would brag about when she was hanging out with her friends. And I wanted to have the kind of marriage that other people would look at and be like, Oh my gosh, how, why do you guys have that kind of a marriage? I want that. And, uh, and so I was like, all right, I got I want to figure this out because I'm failing in all my dating relationships. So what I, I did something a little drastic and I quit my job and then spent the better part of a year traveling around the country, interviewing couples who were madly in love with each other. And my goal mm. was to figure out what they were doing right and what everybody else was completely missing on, missing out on, especially myself. Like what was I doing wrong? Um, and so that's kind of how my trajectory in this relationship space got started. And it kind of snowballed from there. After I started interviewing tons and tons of couples, I started getting introduced to experts and got a chance to sit down with people like Gary Chapman, who wrote the five love languages and John and Julie Gottman, who are like, I'm sure you've talked about them on many occasions on this podcast and people are fairly familiar with who they are. And so that's, that's kind of how I got started. And now my goal is just, just is to help couples, have ridiculously amazing relationships. I want to rid the world of mediocre love. So that's, that's why I'm here today. That's why I'm talking to you. That's how we got connected. And my aim in this interview today is to give you something that will hopefully help you take your relationship to the next level. Yeah. Awesome. So man, so we really have, I think as you guys listen, you already, you're already getting that this is a true gift for sure. Nate, you would like, you're a gift. What, oh, thanks, man. What? Not many people do that. <clears throat> that kind of no. 
in life to be like, all right, every just going for it. And I talked, actually, I talked on my last episode um, for those who are back um, about the leap I'm taking similar, not quite as extreme. It's um, a leap, man. But, Don't diminish know, the leap. It's yeah, a leap. Definitely not diminishing it, but you know, a little bit different when you got a family and three kids. Yep. You're not going to travel the country. I mean, maybe, but not for me, but yours, that was your calling and that's what you did. And it's one thing to get, um, like education from a book and from school and, you know, studies, like you went to the source, you went yeah. to the couples that to me, that, and the work I do with couples, I don't read files and say, well, the file says you should fit this. I go to the source. And so you did that. I can't even like what, just, just briefly before we get into yeah. talking about what, like, like what kind of things jumped out from that experience itself? Man, uh, one of the big takeaways I had is that um, there are as many as many recipes to true love as there are people who have it. Like there are no two relationships that look the same. Yes. And so, whatever amazing love looks like looks like to you, that's man, go build that thing. Uh, the other thing that I learned that I think is probably really important is that people underestimate what's possible in marriage. Um, I think a lot of people, when you ask them what their ideal marriage is, they have pretty low expectations. And I think when you truly get a window into what an ex extraordinary, exceptional, dynamic, flourishing relationship looks like, a lot of people, including myself, had their eyes opened and they're saying things like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah. I had no idea that a relationship that loving, that passionate, that dynamic, that engaging was even possible. I didn't know I could set that as a goal for myself. And um, my, I don't know, like part of what I try to do is show people that, I don't know, if you look at the those psychology research out there, the, the, the thing that is tied, the thing that is most directly tied to the overall satisfaction in your life is the quality of your relationships. Yeah. When you have quality relationships, you have a quality life. And we're so passive about how we treat our relationships. We are oftentimes well-intentioned, but we're not intentional. So we have really good intentions about the type of person that we wanna be in our relationship. I wanna be a good husband, I wanna be a good wife, but we don't oftentimes sit down and get down to the brass tacks and actually take action and specifically like really make a concerted effort in spending our time and our energy and, and our resources on being the best version of ourselves inside of our marriage. But when you do that, what I've experienced in my own life, and what I've seen from these other couples is that when you are intentional, when you really start taking a focused action on being the best version of you so that you can have the best possible marriage, amazing, amazing things happen. And people find this satisfaction from living life that you can't experience any other way. You can't experience it as a single person. You can't experience it as a, a person who's in a mediocre marriage of mutual toleration, you can only experience that type of joy and fulfillment in a relationship where you're all in and you're striving towards something that is inspiring and exciting. And man, it is a cool bus to be on. Um, and I hope that anybody listening right now is feeling like the reason I have all this energy for it is because I'm experiencing it. And it, it like, yeah. there's nothing that lights me up more than one, having an amazing marriage myself and feeling like my wife is my best friend and that we just have something that nobody else has in the world. And then two, helping other people catch the vision that they can have that same thing. Yeah. Gosh, I'm going to, I have to go back and listen to all that and, <laughs> and then like call you later and be like, Hey, I want to hear more about this. Cause there's so much you just said, but a couple things, people underestimate what they can really have in their marriage. Yeah. Another thing is 
It is, I love, you just said it. I know that me and my wife, you and your wife, have something that nobody else has. And that's because nobody else has you and nobody else has her. Yeah. So I say that because sometimes I think we get paralyzed or caught up on chasing somebody else's reality, chasing someone else's marriage. Like, man, I want what they have. Right. Don't, you don't necessarily want what they have. You want to have the feelings that they're experiencing in their relationship, but there's a thousand ways to do it, to get there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, using, using other people's relationships for inspiration, not for comparison is what I would say. Yes. Like use other people's wins to inspire. Use other people's wins, their, the, the qualities in the relationship that you admire as inspiration to be better, but don't use it as a basis for comparison to make yourself, make yourself feel bad if you're not there yet. Perfect. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. Um, one thing you've been, um, I'm going to link everything about you if I have enough stories. <laughs> data, you're everywhere doing everything. But, but what I want, really, I want people, and I, and I, repost your stuff and I yeah, yeah. you're very guys. generous yeah because it's great and people really need this um as soon as I learn Instagram better I can repost more of your stuff I'm really I asked my wife for an Instagram tutorial the other day I have no idea what I'm doing yeah I, I, mean, I bet someone's done something about it <laughs> out there um but no this this season on your podcast you started and have gone into this growth ecosystem. Yeah. People just need to go listen to it. We're not going to dive way deep into that right now, but where does getting into today's topic forgiveness fall inside of that? Maybe you should give us a one minute thing on the growth ecosystem, but where does forgiveness start showing up there? Yeah. So, um, the growth ecosystem, let me, I'll just do a quick summary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the growth. So the idea behind the growth ecosystem is um, if you want a seed to grow into a plant, what you do, like you can, you could do a lot of different things, but only one of them is really going to work. You know, you could try and bribe the seed. You could try and convince it. You could try and intimidate it. You could put it, you could do a lot of things. You could isolate it and say, I'm not going to take you out of this room until you grow. But really, if you want a seed to grow, what you do is you plant it in fertile soil, you give it access to sunlight, and you give it a constant supply of water. And human beings are no different. Mm-hmm. They're human beings. Oftentimes, we, we have the desire to grow, and we have like the innate, I think, I think inherently, each of us wants to fulfill our potential. Like That's what makes us feel happy. It, makes, it make, gives us a sense of fulfillment in life. But the reason that so many people struggle to grow and to make breakthroughs and to like really um, take stuff like take stuff when they learn, listen to your podcast, stuff that they learn and actually put it into action to see it benefit their relationship. The reason that, that it's hard to do that sometimes is because they're in the wrong ecosystem and the ecosystem, the growth ecosystem for a human being to make personal growth come as naturally as growth comes to a seed is to um, one, have a goal. And that's kind of the, we align, kind of pair that up with the sun. You know, it's something to strive towards a better a version of yourself. That's better than who you are right now. That gets you excited. And then um, number two is like the soil, but it's your community and your community kind of keeps you grounded. It keeps you um, when the storms of life come along, it it keeps you held fast and firm to your, um, your values and uh, you absorb the, the values and the behaviors and the emotions that you spend of the people that you spend the most time with. So very similar to soil in that regard. And then the third thing is the steady supply of water, which in the human 
for humans, it's a, a sense of accountability. Somebody that can come along and make sure that this goal that you set and this community that you're participating in, that you're um, constantly making strides towards that goal and making sure that you're surrounding yourself with good people and that you're um, making progress. And when you combine those three things together, whether it's in music or in business or in sports or um, in your marriage, you get to experience explosive growth that feels like you don't have to white knuckle it or grit your teeth. Um, so that's kind of the, the summary of the growth ecosystem. And if you have been struggling to experience growth and like really kind of take things to the next level, it's probably because one of those three things is missing. Right. Like even when, and even if we plant something like, you know, a tree or, or whatever, um, and you yeah. said this earlier too, we're not, we don't look at the, the potential, the, what, what could be and just feed off of that. Like we want right. to see what is actually the fruit that is being provided. Like what is yeah. the tree, you know, giving to us. And if it's not, we got to analyze and, and reevaluate what's off, what needs to be added, what could be different. Um, and I think something that keeps us stuck so much is the lack of forgiveness. hundred percent, hundred percent. Part of that it's, it's poisoning the soil or it's, yeah. I mean, it just, without trying to really sit and try to figure out what part of that system it is, it's just a very important part. Um, man, no, it's not even very, it's necessary yeah. to keep a relationship going forward. So let's, so let's dive into that. What are, just give me like your Where's your mind all about this forgiveness thing? Yeah, let me, let me use an, a, a little bit of an analogy for you. Okay. Um, I love analogies. I think metaphors, yeah, me are, I think metaphors are really powerful. And um, if, you look at the, if you look at the science, we are, human beings are the apex, apex predators. Like we, we run the show in the animal kingdom. Um, and it's not because we have like the sharpest claws. It's not because we have the, the thickest armor. It's not because we are ferocious in any way. Um, the reason that we are the apex predator and that, that every other, we've dominated basically every other animal on the planet is because of our brains. Yeah. Our brains are super evolved. We are social. We are creative. We have self-awareness and our brains, your brain's primary function above anything else, above all the other things that it does, its primary function is to keep you alive. Yeah. And over millions and millions and millions of years, our brains, human beings' brains, have evolved beyond any other animal's brain, especially in the capacity of keeping us alive and keeping, keeping us, protecting us from harm. Um, and it's, it's an incredible kind of machine that we have here. And the interesting thing about your brain is that we have these built-in... Um, reflexes that happen without us even having to think about it. So if you think about um, the last time somebody threw something at your face or you felt like danger was coming or you touched something that was hot or sharp without even thinking about it, you flinch or you pull away from that thing that's causing you pain or could cause you pain. Yeah. And that's an instinct. That's part of what has kept human beings alive for millions and millions of years mm -hmm. is that instinct to protect, to protect you from danger. And the interesting thing that, um, that brain scientists are learning right now is that, that physical pain and emotional pain are processed in many of the same areas of the brain. Mm. And so the way that you respond to physical pain by pulling away from the thing that hurts you is very similar to the way that you respond to emotional pain, which is pulling away from the thing that hurts you. So more often than not now, um, we're not 
experiencing physical pain beyond like a paper cut or the occasional like accidental fall or something like that. And so your, your brain has been more and more conditioned to look for and observe emotional, emotional threats. Yeah. Um, so and be guarded and protected against those. Yeah, it's really hard to get to be protected against those um, those those emotional threats. So I, let me. I don't want to go too far down the the the, the science hole here, but let me um, let me kind of like pull back and tell you where I'm at now. So I want you to think about every time your feelings get hurt, you flinch away from the person who hurt your feelings. Mm-hmm. right? You kind of pull away, you create some emotional distance right. and you know how that feels. Like there's that steely silence. There's that. I, I don't really, really want to talk to this person right now. There's that. Uh, I wonder if I open up my mouth, if I'm going to get hurt again, there's that kind of like big question mark around, can I be safe around this person? Mm-hmm. And a really interesting thing happens um, inside marriage where you're with this person all the time. If you accidentally, and I think most couples, when they get their feelings hurt, it's by accident. It's not because somebody's being malicious. But if you, but um, if you have those little teeny tiny flinches over time and they just build up and you're going a centimeter at a time, you flinch a little bit away and then another, like somebody uses the wrong tone of voice and you flinch a little bit away and then somebody breaks a promise and you flinch a little bit away and somebody um, says something that they end up, that they, that they didn't mean and it came out the wrong way and they, they flinched a little bit away over a couple of years, it turns into like this grand Canyon chasm between you and your partner yep. and you can't be close anymore. I think this is one of the main causes. One of many causes of roommate syndrome is yeah. that people, people have flinched so far away from each other that now there's like topics and subjects and, and things that they can't, they just don't talk about anymore because they're afraid that it's just going to, somebody's going to end up getting hurt. Yeah. How did us not knowing where to eat dinner turn into you're not talking to me for the whole night? Yeah. Or the whole week. Doesn't make sense. A whole or the week. whole month. But yeah. we're not looking at all the years of the distancing and flinching and it's right. beautiful. Or I've been, I've been hurt so much that I don't want to share my body anymore. And Huge so, one. Huge and so the physical one. intimacy dies and, uh, or, or the friendship just dies and you get people saying, I'm not, we're staying together for the kids. And the moment the kids, I literally had a guy call me and tell me this the other day. He said, my wife told me that the only reason we're staying married is, is for the kids to have a stable household. And the moment our, our last child moves out is the moment she files for divorce. And wow. I'm like, this is the type of thing that happens. This is a real thing that happens in people's lives. And a, a lot of times yeah. the reason for that is because we've had these buildup of hurts over time and it creates yeah. this emotional separation. And so in my opinion, the, the purpose of an apology is not to admit guilt. It's not to play the whodunit game. It's not to solve the problem. It's to heal your partner. Basically, an apology is is the medicine that will heal an emotional wound. And I think a lot of people have a misperception of what an apology is, but I, I really like this metaphor. Like if you were a doctor and you had a patient who was suffering in front of you and you knew you had the knowledge and the capability to heal their wound and you don't do it, that makes you a terrible doctor. Right. Terrible doctor. Right. And yet inside our marriages, we have these people who they inflict pain on each other. They hurt each other, whether on purpose or on accident. Um, they cause emotional damage to each other. They, they, make, they, they do something that causes their partner to withdraw or recoil. And then they have, they have the knowledge and they have the, the tools or the medicine, whatever is needed to heal that wound, but they hold, they don't give it. And they say, well, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do it on purpose. So I don't need to apologize. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's like, that's such a a-hole thing to do to withhold healing from your partner because you, because of your ego. Like who's, and who is it hurting? I put, I, some of you following me on, on Instagram saw me put a bunch of, I put it out to my followers. Like what? I don't remember how I put it, but, um, what do you want to know about forgiveness? Like put it out there. And someone had said something about like, who's it, who's it for? Like who's forgiveness for? Anyway, the, the conversation went around to, it's about you ultimately. Yeah. Like it's about the relationship. Yes. But when we can heal and soothe and help ourselves, we're better able to do that for our partner. Yeah. And I mean, there's, I think it's important to acknowledge there's two sides of forgiveness. There's the side of asking for forgiveness and then there's the side of forgiving. And, um, I think the part that you're talking about, the forgiving part is absolutely for yourself. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think there's people who, and the interesting thing is that you can forgive somebody like you can forgive them without them ever apologizing. Right. Okay. So talk about that for a second. That's wonderful. Yeah. So, um, have you ever heard the term, like there's a, there's a really interesting woman named Alison Armstrong and she's a relationship expert. And she used this really powerful distinction when she talked about forgiving, like being the person who's been hurt and offering forgiveness to the other person, regardless of whether or not they feel sorry for it. And she talked about being willing to forgive. And there's this really interesting distinction she made around the word willing. And she's like, I don't, when I say the word willing to forgive, I don't mean like, oh, I'm open to forgiving or, oh yeah, I think I I could forgive if the conditions were right. Being willing to forgive means you engage your will. You will forgiveness to happen. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people wait to forgive until they feel better. And forgiveness is not not something that only occurs when you feel better. Forgiveness is a choice. It's a decision. It's a... It's a commitment that I'm no longer going to punish this person for their past mistakes, um, regardless of how I feel in that moment. And I think a lot of people think that you can only truly forgive somebody when those bad feelings are gone, but that's not true. You can have, you can have those flashbacks of anger, of resentment, of frustration, of hurt and betrayal, and you can metabolize and deal with those emotions uh, in a healthy way and hold on to that willing to forgive mentality and like just because you're experiencing those emotions doesn't mean you haven't forgiven so don't wait for the emotions to arrive for you to forgive if you're in a place where you need to forgive somebody make the conscious choice uh and be be smart with how you do this but make the conscious choice to forgive them to let it go and to stop punishing them or holding a grudge against them for their past behavior Mm -hmm. because it doesn't do you any in a lot of cases it doesn't do you any good I think it's, I think it's smart to, um, when, when there are people in your life who are taking advantage of you to protect yourself and you don't necessarily, forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean that you give them a blank check to continue to take advantage of you. But inside of a marriage specifically, I think it's very wise to have a commitment to forgive regardless of, um, as long as you're in a healthy relationship, regardless of whether or not your partner apologizes. Yeah, absolutely. Like whatever, whatever trial or, or event or thing we're going to hit, I've already committed by saying, I want you in my life. I've already committed that aside from some pretty major things, 
like we're in this together. I'm already yeah. there. So, so whatever it is, yeah, I'm going to, I might need a little bit of, to process and, and to get there. And I may need to see some things from you as well. We'll get into that, but I'm already like halfway there that I, that the will is there. Yeah. So, and I want to go back to something you said before too, because I think it is so important if we can hold on to this idea that you said hurt is done by accident. Like, in, I think if we really think about, I'm sitting across from my, from my spouse, you, yours, and anybody listening with your partner, and you really take a second to think, do I really, like, do I really, if I can do this, think that this person maliciously and with intention hurt me like they did that. Yeah. I think most of the time, again, I'm not in everyone's homes and I don't know everyone's situation, but I think for the most part, I don't think we're doing that. Like, I know I'm not, this happened to me last night where I got 20 minutes of just don't talk to me. And and I had to think, shoot, what did I, how did I deliver that? What did I say? And then it made sense. I was like, okay, okay. I'm in a different place in my process. And the way I put it was not where I did not match where my wife was. Fair enough. Okay. Let me own that. Um, but if we really think about back to what I was saying, the hurt is done by accident. Yeah. I think that helps so much in the process of, um, the, the will to forgive. Yeah. But when you're hurting, it's hard to get to that place Can't access that. No, you can't physiologically, like physiologically, you cannot access that side of your brain. Right. But you can get really good at calming your brain down. Like, I don't know if you talked about this before on the show, but when you go into fight or flight mode, which means your heartbeat gets above about a hundred beats a minute, you get a little sweaty, you get a little flush, you're triggered as they say. Um, the, the lot, the logic part of your brain, the compassion side of your brain, the creative side of your brain, the negotiating side of your brain shuts down and survivor mode, survivor mode kicks in that, that, the thing that I was talking about at the beginning of the yep. episode, that side of your brain that is responsible only for keeping you alive. Yep. It goes, you are under threat. You either need to fight or you need to run away or you need to become invisible. And so guys, listen, like when you're listening, think about your body. Like Nate said earlier, your body is in survival mode, but it doesn't know that it's not physical danger you're in. Right. It just, it, it's emotional danger in that moment, which is your emotion to have. And, and that's part of the process is yes, these are real feelings. But your brain, I love that you say that, your brain does not know the difference of emotionally I'm at risk. No, it just knows I'm at risk. I must protect. Yep. And And so we practice these things beforehand. Yeah. Talk like right now, like you guys are listening, taking notes. Hopefully you're writing down, okay, I need to begin to practice and prime my brain that when I start to feel these things, I have a way to bring me back to, to my rational self. Yeah. And a cool, cool way to control your brain is to control your body. Like the two are interlinked. Mm, And so if you sense your, like if you need to get back to that, get out of that crazy fight or flight mode and get back into your compassionate, loving, understanding, negotiating, problem solving side of yourself, instead of focusing on your brain, focus on your body. What can you do to bring your heart rate down? What can you do to calm yourself down a little bit, to, to get your, keep yourself from sweating and fidgeting, get rid of that adrenaline rush. Like what is the thing that you can do? And the great thing is that the better you get at stabilizing your physiology, the better, the more, the less likely your brain is to kick into that high gear fight or flight. And um, you can get back to the stasis, which is where you can start asking that questions. Like did my, or those questions like, um, did my wife really mean that? 
Yeah. You know, did, did I, did I really was, maybe I did make a mistake and maybe I should stop being as defensive as I'm right. being right now. Clarifying questions. Like yep. she, I'm clearly not seeing something that, that she or he is seeing. Yeah. Let me gather I'm, some more information first. A super common response that I see to people when they get sent into fight or flight is they hold their breath as they're, oh, yeah. as they're creeping up towards that, like that moment where they tip over the edge and they just like lose control of themselves emotionally or, or physically they a lot of times they're holding their breath so remember to breathe like if you're starting to feel like you're being attacked if you're starting to feel defensive if you're starting to feel like um, your partner's out to get you take a couple deep breaths and get before you're before you kind of cross out over that edge calm your heart rate back down mm -hmm. and and breathe into it it's a that breath is huge yeah oh I'm kind of feeling the emotion and excitement right now as we talk about it. Like, yeah, take a deep breath right now. But yeah, I mean, okay. So you want to keep going? Of course. Let's keep cool. going. So, um, on what you were saying, keep going on where you were at. No, I'm just following your, I'm following oh, your lead of now. Course. Absolutely. So some of the, just some of the common things that I think come up is like, how do I forgive my partner? Mm. Like, how do I even do that? I wasn't, not me personally, but I mean, that might fit for me as well. But I think a lot of people, they don't, they didn't have that modeled. Like how many, how many so, of that story are like, I saw this happen in my house as a kid. Like, this is how the proper forgiveness went. We don't have that. So which side do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about the person who's done the hurting or the person who has been hurt? The person who has been hurt. How do they forgive their partner for hurting them? I mean, maybe we should talk about how you first, as you're the hurtee. Yeah. Let's start. I think that's, that's a good one uh, to start with. So I love Dr. Gottman's research. And one of the things he talks about is how the purpose of conflict yeah. is not to solve the problem, but to reach mutual understanding. Yeah. And a lot of time, a lot of the time, what people want in an apology is not an admission of guilt, not an I'm sorry, like we're taught when we're kids, like just say you're sorry. What they want is they want to feel understood. They want to feel like their partner, like if all I could get from you is for you to just tell me, hey, I see how the tone of voice that I used would make you upset. That will make me feel so much better. Yeah. If, if all I could get from you was for you to say, hey, I understand that the way I brought up this topic could really like it, it came across as being really hurtful and dismissive of you. That alone is like, okay, I feel better. I feel like you get my experience. Right. And in getting my experience, I experience healing. I don't feel like I'm alone anymore. You know, what we want in a partner is we want somebody who's going to be there for us no matter what. We want to know that they're going to be the one who, regardless of what happens, they're going to have our back. We want to be able to rely on them. We want to trust them. We want to know that they care about what's going on in our world. If yeah. there's one person we want to be gotten by, if they, that we, we want to get us, it's the person that we love most in the world. It's our partner. Mm. And oftentimes the reason that we get hurt is because we feel misunderstood. We feel like, oh, wow, my phone just went off. That's weird. Um, <laughs> we, so the reason we get, we get hurt is because um, our, our, we feel like our partner just doesn't – like they're in a completely different universe than we are. They're not even on the same planet. Like how right. could they misunderstand my experience so much? How could you, the person who loves me and knows me more than anybody on this planet, how could they not get me by that big of a, yeah. of, of a stretch? It's painful. It feels lonely. 
Um, and so right. just, just having that moment where your partner, if you can sit down for your partner and, and, and validate their experience and say, honey, I tell me what hurts right now. You know, tell me, help me understand what's going on for you. That's a great place to start. Help me understand. Um, yeah. and then the second place is you listen and repeat back word for word, not your interpretation of what they said, word for word, what they said. So it's like, um, when you, when you came home from work late today and you didn't call or text, I felt really hurt because it felt like you didn't care about me. And so, I say, okay. Nate, so when I when yeah. came home from work, can you say it again? Cause I really didn't hear you. Yeah. When I came home from work, when you came home from work late today, um, you came home at five 30 instead of at five and you didn't call and you didn't text. And I got really worried and I felt like I wasn't important. So what you're saying is when I came home from work late without notifying you, I was going to be late. You started to get worried and felt hurt. Yep. And now a great, a great thing for you to say is, is there anything else? Is there anything else that you were feeling when I didn't do that? Yeah. Like this isn't the first time it's happened and it makes, it makes me worried and I just love you a lot. And you know, there, I was also a little scared that maybe you were dead on the side of the road. And that isn't a very good feeling because I rely on you a lot and, and I love you a lot. And I don't want to see, I don't want to do this life alone. Me and Nate are having a moment. If you guys haven't noticed, yeah. um, this is a good role play. I like this, this is good role play, but you know what, even as, and really like I'm looking at you and I know this word podcast here, but, but the feelings, I went into the feelings with you. Yeah. If I can go into the feelings. If we can go into the feelings, the emotion with our partner, even as I was listening to you, I was like, dang, that does hurt. Like you were, <laughs> I might be like, that's scary. Yeah. That's scary. Now, if I, now as your role-playing spouse on the podcast, if I really start to get in tune with, you're not just trying to control me and you're not just being a nag because of my schedule and you're not trying right. to, but if I really think about, oh my gosh, you thought I might be dead. Yeah. I don't want you to feel that kind of feeling. Now I get the importance of why you wanted me to check in, why I was going to, yep. now I get okay, now my guard is down. Now yep. I, okay, I can be receptive to this right now. And with your guard down, I feel like you're listening to me instead of dismissing my concerns. Even though it's irrational, you've come home every day since the day we were together. And sometimes it was late and sometimes it was on time. And it's irrational for me to think that this one time is the time that you're going to be dead on the side of the road. Like the fact, instead of dismissing that and you're validating it and saying, hey, it's okay that you felt that way and I'm here and I love you. like. That makes, that makes all the pain and fear that I was feeling go away. And I feel that emotional connection again. Yeah. Well, and we know all you, all, you know, all these women are listening to these crime podcasts anyway. So (laughs) (laughs) their minds are already filled with like the worst case scenarios. Yeah. Uh, Get off those podcasts, ladies. Okay. Um, what I lost my thought, but, um, let me bring you on. Oh, I wanted to go into, we're not going to leave that, but just saying, I've posted before and just kind of talked about couples get stuck when they, when they want to defend their position rather than seek to understand their partner. Yes. hundred percent. Just get to the place of seeking to understand first and foremost, let me just take, before I say all my stuff, let me just take in as much as I can about where you're at. How are you feeling? My, what I want to say is already going to change. I know it. Yeah. Okay. Totally. So keep, um, keep going into this. I'm the, I'm the hurdy. I'm the one. Yeah. So you're the hurdy. And so 
So we just, we just did a really great role play and it went ideally. Like we, there were no hiccups in the process. But one of the things I really want to emphasize is the importance of repeating back to your partner what you hear. And the reason that it's important is one, it shows that you're listening and that's really great. Mm -hmm. But number two, it helps them crystallize their thoughts and emotions. And I cannot tell you how many times Mm -hmm. I have done this and I've had other couples do this experience where you repeat back what your partner's saying and they say, so what you're saying is, so what I hear you saying is this, did I get it? And then their partner goes, oh, actually that's not what I meant. And they go back and they realize they're crystallizing their own thoughts and their emotions. They're getting clarity. And they're like, the thing that I thought I was mad about is not actually the thing I was mad about. Or the thing that hurt me is really actually not the thing that hurt me. And as they start to gain a little bit more clarity, they become a little bit more open as well. And they, as they start to feel more, you're helping them discover their own, the, the truth of their own experience. Okay. And it's this really cool thing where, um, it's less about you being a good listener and more about them really having you reflect their thoughts back at them. And more often you're going to see it's going to ha- it happens a lot when you do this, but they, um, they, when they hear their thoughts or their words repeated back to them, they're like, Oh, that actually didn't land the way I wanted it to. Let me try again until they get it right. And once they get it right, more often than not, both people can agree like, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of a cool process for both of you, um, one on the listening side and one on the reflecting side, um, to get that. And then once you feel, once you feel gotten, like once, once you make your partner feel like their hurts and pain has been acknowledged, um, you like you're done. You've seen the goal is to see the world from their point of view. And more often than not, I'd say 98% of the time, if you just go through that simple process of tell me what's going on, repeat back to them. Did I get it? No, repeat until you get it. And then um, say, great. Is there anything that I, I, I'm sorry. Is there anything that I can do to help you feel better? Or what are the, this is probably the end, the, the capstone on the process is what words do you need from me to make you feel healed or whole or complete again? You know, what can I say to you to make you feel better? Is there a specific thing that I can, that I could admit or apologize for or be accountable for that will help you feel healed and emotionally close to me again? And you'd be surprised how simple the words are. Um, sometimes people just want, want you to say, um, you know, you're the most important thing to me. I just need to hear that from you. Mm-hmm. You're the most important thing to me. Thank you. It feels good to hear that and to be reassured. You know, I love you no matter what. I'm always going to have your back. Uh, tell me that next time you're late, you'll call. I commit next time I'm late, I'll call. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. That's all I needed. Yeah. And I'll, and, and I'll better be ready to do that because now I do understand you. Yeah, totally. And you, and you understand you. Yep. Now we're actually talking about the thing, the hurt, the real hurt rather than 16 degrees outside yeah. of it. And not trying to solve it. Just trying to understand it. So important, you guys listening, like it's not about solving back to what Dr. Gottman talks about. It's not about solving it. 69% of conflict in a marriage is unresolvable. 69%. Yeah. That is a huge percent of conflict that cannot be resolved. So don't try and resolve it. Just try and understand it. Understand it. The more mutual understanding you have in your relationship, the more peace, kindness, empathy, uh, stability, like you get all these wonderful, great connecting things when you just try and understand. Yep. So before we go to the other side of this, wherever you're at, whatever treadmill or bike or car or driving, whatever it is, write down or type in your phone, seek 
to understand. That's it. Like that's where we want to begin some of this stuff because it changes our whole outlook and approach to our partner if we can seek to understand. Yep. Okay. Take so, practice. So much practice. And when you're in the moment, like we talked about, and the animal brain and the, you know, the it's firing off and your prefrontal cortex, the rationality is gone. You're not going to go deep breath. Oh yeah. Seek to understand. You will over time as you practice it, but put it, write it, put it somewhere like as a reminder, like, Hey honey, next time we kind of get into one of these things, can you remind me to check my little note that I wrote? Oh, okay. <laughs> Seek to understand like somewhere, put it somewhere. Yeah. Put it on the fridge. Uh, Maybe I need to make a shirt and just send it to everybody. Seek to understand. It's going to help us in, in our approach. Totally. So, okay. They did seek to understand. How, how can I now, am I, am I moving us in the right place on the other yeah. side? Yeah, that's great. Okay. So, so they did. Now I'm the one who was hurt. How am I going to offer this forgiveness? This is a tough part, by the way. Yeah. And, and this is like, it's a more complicated question because everybody's situation is different. You know, on the one hand, there might just be like a one-off disagreement that you need to forgive for. And those are easy. Oftentimes those are healed just through this process of helping your partner understand where you're coming from. And once you feel understood, you're good to go. Um, and that's, that's pretty easy. If it's more repetitive stuff, um, it might be a conversation. Well, there's, there's a couple of different tools you could use. Um, one becomes a boundary tool, like learning to set up, set clear boundaries to protect yourself from being, uh, hurt over and over again by the same type of, um, of, of behavior, hurtful behavior from your partner. So if you notice that, um, trying to think of a, a, a hurtful behavior that your partner might exhibit on a, on a regular basis, maybe they raise their voice and they name call. And this is a thing that you've talked about. And, uh, and when they do it, it really hurts and they've committed to not do it on several occasions and they keep coming back and doing it. And it's getting to the point where they've done it enough times that you're like, I don't know if I can let this slide anymore. Like I can't just keep forgiving and then having them come call me names over and over every time they have a bad day. Mm -hmm. Um, this is a great opportunity to set a boundary and to start acknowledging, um, a great, like a, a metaphor that my wife and I use is we call it orange lining. So redlining would be you've tripped into the danger zone and you're shutting down and bad things are happening. What are the signals that, that are like the warning sign that you're about to get into the redlining area? Okay. So what are the things that your partner typically does right before they fly off the handle and scream at you and call you names? You know, what is, what is the thing that happens? And you need to acknowledge, figure out what that is for you. Yep. And then set a very clear boundary of this is what's going to happen when I start seeing these these orange flags that are indicating we're slipping into the red, the red zone. Maybe, um, maybe that's an opportunity for you to say, Hey, I realize that we're in a situation right now where emotions are getting high and this is typically where you yell at me. I'd like to ask for you to calm yourself down and take a break. Yeah. It might be that you, um, tell your partner, Hey, uh, I can tell this is headed down the wrong road. I'm going to go for a walk and I want you to shoot me a text when you're ready to talk about this in a more emotionally stable spot. And that protects you from being hurt in the future and being put into a position where you have to like forgive somebody for really immature or um, preventable, preventably hurtful behaviors, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, And then you get into the situation where you've got pain that's been inflicted that goes, that's like real deep from, from past stuff like, uh, betrayals, abuse, um, really kind of 
the, the deep, deep hurts that we carry with us that sometimes are hurts that affect our current marriage, but were inflicted on us by previous relationships, whether family relationships or previous partners. Yeah. And sometimes we carry the hurt from those into our current relationships and it wreaks, it just, it does some really tough things. Well, and yeah, when some of these things are present and, and resentment is present and builds from this stuff. Yep it's hard to back what we were saying before. It's hard to even get to the understanding place. It's hard to, it's hard to even identify as the person who is hurt or who has some of this past trauma or things on there, like what the resentment's even about. And so, yeah, I think some, so I've heard people ask before, like, um, how, how can I begin to let go of the resentments and how can I do the, how can I offer forgiveness or regain the trust or, and I don't, it's a tough place if that resentment is still there. So that's, yeah. what, that's what has to be dealt with. So when you're talking about like this past stuff, like you need to sit with, you need to, this is not like a podcast, listen and listen again and re-listen. This is get in and really start doing some of the healing and work with a professional. Totally. Do, do it with a professional or if you have a good partner, do it with a, like you can start doing that with a partner. Like let's say you were, uh, you were abused when you were younger. Um, mm -hmm. there's no reason that you can't use a very similar formula to the one that we described at the beginning of this podcast, but have your partner act as a stand in for the person who took advantage of you. Yeah, totally. And you can, you can have your partner sit down and listen and say, when I did that, how did that make you feel? Mm -hmm. Help me understand what was the pain that you experienced and process that pain with them and, and like, understand it. And then at the end say, what is it that you need to hear from me that will help you feel whole and complete again, that will help that pain go away. That will make you feel understood and validated. And like, you don't have to carry this with you anymore. Yeah. And sometimes just going through that process with somebody who's standing in as the person who hurt you can help you heal. It's a powerful, powerful experience to have somebody else help you heal from a past trauma inflicted by somebody else. Um, obviously like would be really smart to go talk to a therapist as well and have them help you work through things. But sometimes I, and I've seen it happen. There's sometimes all you need is to feel understood by somebody who loves you yeah. and to, and to have that, that secret shame and pain be um, it, like shine some light on it Outside. and have somebody meet it with love and compassion mm -hmm. and regret and, and, and sympathy or empathy even better. Mm -hmm. And that will cause a lot of that pain to go away. So yep. that could be one tool that you use. Yeah, I love that because therapy may not be something where people either either have access or finances or whatever the case right. may be. There's so many barriers. You don't even need, like, you may not need that. And just being seen and felt and heard and understood, again, we're back to that. Like, I think there's a reason we keep coming back to that word and that term is it 100%. brings it outside of us. It, it sheds that light on it. And it's something we can, when we can see it, and we can feel it, we can now start to heal some of that stuff. So totally. And if you're in a position where you're being perpetually hurt by your partner over and over and over again, and there's no acknowledgement and they're the type of person who thinks like forgiveness is a weakness and I don't need to, I don't need to apologize if I didn't do it, didn't do it on purpose, or you're just too sensitive, like you're too hypersensitive to this. Mm -hmm. That's a great opportunity to have a really frank conversation about what apology means to you inside your marriage. Yeah. And it would be really great. I, I would encourage you if you're in a position like that. And this to, to me, 
this is not an always thing, but a majority of the time, this is going to be husbands kind of dismissing their wives, I think is probably the, the trend here. Yeah. Um, not, not universal, but um, definitely a possibility. And what I would recommend is instead of um, picking a fight over that, getting curious, you know, who taught you? Tell me about this. To who taught you that apologizing is a weakness? Mm-hmm. Or where did you where did you learn from your past that the only reason you can apologize is if you've done something wrong? Like I'd love to learn more about your beliefs behind apologizing and why you believe that way. Yeah. You know, who instilled that in you? Who did you learn it from? Why why have you held on to that? Why is it important to you? What does it reinforce in your identity? And when you come to an understanding of how your partner came to that conclusion. It might give you a little bit of empathy too for them and why they don't want to apologize. Maybe they were in a house where dad was just like tough as nails and hit people and was screaming and angry and any crying or apologies was a sign of weakness. And he'd, you'd get that he'd beat this, the sadness out of you. Mm. And maybe, maybe when you understand that story about your husband's past or your wife's past, um, you go, Oh, well now I understand why you approach apologies that way. And it can help, help me have a little bit more empathy when you don't want to apologize, you know? And it's new to me. It's not about me. It's about you. Right. Okay. And, and it's new for me too. So I'm so glad you said this. Can we help each other figure out how, how this looks in our unique relationship? Yeah. Instead of, instead of holding on to what we believe, how we believe apology should be based off of how we learned it as a two-year-old and it's just, I'm sorry. And you move forward. Like, yeah. why don't we work out a system that helps us to stay emotionally close and connected and it helps me want to be physically intimate and emotionally intimate with you and makes us trust each other and enjoy spending time with each other instead of just like holding on to something that doesn't work for us. Yeah. Yeah. We're so trained for sure. Like, okay. So if you were go with me here for a second, Nate, yeah, you, yeah. you are walking in the grocery store and the person behind you hits your, your, your leg with the, the cart. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. What do you say? Oh, don't worry about it. So don't worry about it. It's okay. Yeah. No, it's not okay. That freaking hurt. Yeah. Watch what you're doing. You're you like blood running into your sock. Yeah. yeah like I'm pretty sure you severed my Achilles. No. We're trained though that it's like, oh, sorry. No, it's okay. Yeah. We're trained that way. And so even in relationships, it's like, sorry, uh, it doesn't mean that person in the, in the store, that didn't mean anything. And I know, I know they probably really didn't mean to, but still it hurt. And you're, I'm sorry, didn't, didn't hit home. Like, gosh, that's happened to me before. And I know it's a cart in a store, but that happened to me before. And that hurts so bad. I really apologize. Like, oh, they, they came alongside. They do get it that yeah. felt, you know what? Thank you so much for saying that. Like, and really it, it is okay. And I'll be okay. Yeah. So in our relationship, it's just, how can we learn that dance together? Everybody, everyone is so unique. And I get these questions about like, well, how do I, how do I give forgiveness or how do I do an apology? And you can look up a hundred ways. Oh, here's the right way to apologize. And here's go back and listen to Nate earlier in the episode that he hit on that about what we want to do. And it's seeking to understand but the answer, and maybe some of you listening are not going to be too happy with the way I put this, is you got to figure it out together. You got to figure it out together because what I need for an apology for my wife is not going to work in your marriage. What, what, how it works in yours, maybe that's not enough for me. So 
it's, it's feeling like we're heard and we're understood and we're problem solving a thing together, not trying to fix or solve the person. Yes. So, so it's a, it's a problem to be solved, not a person to be fixed. Yeah. Um, Love and, that. And we do that through understanding and, and, and trying to get into the world, you know, our partner's world a little bit deeper and a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe a great place to start is to stop using the word apologize. Like one of the things that my wife and I have started using lately is I'm feeling misunderstood. Yeah. I love that. Can you help me feel understood? It's like, Oh yeah, that doesn't helping you feel understood. Doesn't require me to go. I did something wrong. It just requires me to go. What happened? (laughs) Yeah. Help me understand. Help me understand. So maybe it's just a language change that could be, that could be really helpful here. But I, I love the way you summarize this, man. Like it's going to be different for everybody. What you need in your specific situation is going to be different. But yeah. if you're seeking that mutual understanding, and I think once again, you're, you're willing, if you're on the hurt side, you're willing to engage your will. You're willing to not wait for the feelings of forgiveness to show up, but to say, okay, in this moment right now, I feel understood. I see that my partner is committed to moving forward and I am committed to not punishing them and to letting go of these negative feelings and these resentments and these stories that I've made up in my head about what a terrible person and malicious person they are. I'm letting all that go and I'm going to give them the, the freedom to move forward as somebody that I love and trust. Yeah. It's a courageous thing to do in a relationship. Yeah. The scariest, the, the scariest thing about being in a relationship is that, the person who has the ability to make you feel like you are king or queen of the world, who can fill you up, who can make you feel like a hero or a goddess or like the most important person on the planet also has the ability to absolutely, absolutely strip you bare of everything. They can leave you naked, cold, and shivering on the side of the road. Yeah. And it, it comes with that vulnerability of being truly seen by somebody. Mm-hmm. That person can, one word can make you feel like you're king of the world, like you're the, you're the best thing since sliced bread, or it can make you feel like you're just living in the gutter. Yeah. And that's, that's, the, that's like the, the risk that we take in loving. Love is a courageous endeavor inherently. You cannot love and not be courageous. It is it's part of loving is being courageous and being willing to put your heart on the line and hoping that the other person doesn't smash it to bits. Mm. And the great thing is that if you can approach love with that courageous heart and know that you're both going to make mistakes and, and be willing to let each other off the hook some, sometimes and like forgive people for their mistakes and their shortcomings and the things that they, they do that cause us pain and you're willing to do that for each other, man, your relationship is gearing up for success. But if the moment you feel crushed, which is inevitable, everybody's going to get crushed in, in marriage. Everybody's going to get hurt. If the moment that happens, you put up a wall and you cre- put on your armor and you're like, all right, I'm gearing up for battle and I'm not taking this armor off ever again because I don't want to ever be hurt again. You're gearing up for a, what I would describe as a marriage of mutual toleration. You're not going to be emotionally close. You're not going to be mentally close. You're not going to be physically close. You're just going to tolerate each other's existence until one of you dies or you files for a divorce. And yeah. that's where the courage comes into play. The courage in marriage comes into play of in a moment where you feel like you need to put on your armor, you take a deep breath and you say, it was an accident. I'm going to let it go and I'm going to keep the armor off so we can keep our marriage close and intimate and trusting. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm not going to allow this gap to get any bigger than it already is. Yep. As a matter of fact, I'm going to try and shrink the gap. Yep. Cause that's what a oh, courageous man. person does. 
so many good things in in this episode i'm so happy that uh you were willing to come on and share some of this with us yeah man anytime i love doing this stuff so they i'm a, again i'm gonna link everything up about you and just what you're up to and you got you got courses galore online and you got things that you're you're doing what's what is like upcoming for you what's the next thing where can we're in utah but um you know if people want yeah to- regardless of whether you're in Utah or not, we are gearing up in a couple of months here to do another Epic Wives experiment. And um, if you, we're also putting together an Epic Husbands experiment, which we haven't done before. So if you go to um, epicwivesexperiment.com, you'll find information for the wives. Basically our goal is to take um, wives who are feeling a little burned out, stressed, overwhelmed, or who know that their marriage could be a little bit better than it is right now. Mm -hmm. And they just don't know how to get there. And we give them a series of experiments, little teeny tiny, like four or five minute experiments over uh, the span of a a month. It's about three a week for a month. And our promise is that by the end of the experiments, you're not going to be able to recognize your marriage. You're going to feel closer. Your partner is going to be investing in ways that you never could have imagined. Uh, you're going to feel supported, loved, adored, cherished, and it, the way that you wanted to feel when you got married, which is... And this is like, what they're doing with the Epic Wives Experiment is, it's almost like magic school. Because some of these so wives cool. don't, the husbands don't even know, some of them, they don't Most, even know... A lot of them, yeah. Yeah, they don't even know what the wives are up to or that they signed up yep. for this and, and that they're doing these things. And yet they're seeing... One person, the wife is doing something and it's completely shifting the way their husband approaches them. It's crazy. It's proof that if you change the way you show up, it transforms your marriage. You guys, you have the power to change your marriage by yourself. Like you do. Uh, Yes, we need that person. That's not what I'm saying. But yeah, just this experiment alone, like- You'd be surprised. We'll put it this way. You'd be surprised how much your marriage can change for the better just by you making small, teeny tiny changes over- a span of a couple of weeks. Yep. It's, it's ridiculous how much more power you have than you realize yep. to create the marriage of your dreams. It's and I've seen it. We were, um, we've, we've done the experiment now with, uh, over, I think over 700 women yep. and the list of, of, ex, of testimonials and just people who have had their lives transformed is it, it. I literally cry when I read this stuff. Cause it's so amazing. I cry when I read what you post about it. I'm not really. Joking. Just read it. Like I remember one that stood out was like <clears throat> this wife who was so exhausted from trying to be super mom and super woman, um, but never said anything to her husband. And he's oblivious to what kind of her right. needs in a certain area. I think he was cooking and just feeling exhausted. And all she did was open her mouth like, wow, it would really help if you do this. And he's like, I got it. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. I know what you're talking Forever. about. She was, she was stressed out about making dinner. Yes. And then she asked her husband for help and he chipped in and then she came home and she said, thank you. She's like, thank you for helping me with dinner. I've been so stressed out about it lately because my evening schedule is crazy. And I just like, it's something that I've been in charge of and it's just been causing me a lot of stress. And he goes, I had no idea you were that stressed out about it. I had no idea. Would you, how about if I made dinner every night going forward? And she's like, wait, really? And he's like, yeah, I got no problem with that. Right. And all of a sudden, like she feels loved, appreciated, adored. He feels like he's getting a win as a husband. And like, you have this amazing their relationship goes to the next level just by following these little right. experiments. Her, so. her love language is being met in a new way. And because of that, I promise right. you guys, I don't know this person, I don't know this home, but I guarantee you his love language is now being met. Yeah. Yep. So 
we're also working on something for the Epic Husbands. And if you want to be, if you're a dude listening and you want to be in on that, go to epichusbandsexperiment.com and we've got a little place where you can sign up. But um, I would love to have anybody who wants to participate come join us for that. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's an amazing experience. So I, I don't know. Uh, that'd be that'd be a tough thing to say as many husbands are going to show up as the wives did because um, it was like 400 and, and a bunch more. Yeah. Over four. It was a lot. Um, but guys, come on. Like, Take, take a, take a chance. Take, take some action in. I think more guys will show up than, than we realize. I, that would be sweet. And I'm yeah. following all along the way. I, I love what you're doing and, and just what you're putting out to the world. And Thanks there. man. Back at you. And good, good luck on your new, uh, your new endeavor. Yeah. And no, I'm stoked about it. Your new gig. <clears throat> I think it's going to bring, um, maybe more Nate time in my life, which I'm always for. So I'm down. Um, cool. So you guys, I'm going to link everything, Nate, and growth marriage and, and all stuff that he's up to definitely get over and, and start listening to the podcast that he's got going. There's some amazing things in there. And then, um, follow up to just anything today as you guys are listening, follow up questions, follow up thoughts. I, I I'll speak for you right now, Nate, but I'm sure he'd be happy to even give me more insight and, you know, do some follow up stuff and answer some other questions. If you Absolutely. So cool. Well, I think that is it. Unless you got anything else to add. Dude, I'm solid. I just love having this conversation with you. This is awesome. I, I, I appreciate it. Okay, you guys, make today the greatest day of your life. Greatest day ever. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Greatest Day podcast. Hopefully the information given today will help each of you as you continue to improve your life, stay present, and make each day better than the last. As always, please take a minute and share this episode or this podcast with someone that you think would benefit and hit that subscribe button, leave a review, and let's continue to spread the greatest day mindset to as many people as we can. I appreciate each of you once again. We'll see you on the next episode. And as always, make today the greatest day of your life.